Well, hello! Hope all you creatures out there are enjoying the summer so far. To cut right to the chase, we thought it might be nice to help you get through this bump while you're waiting for the next season of Wrong Station by releasing a couple of oldies from the Patreon vault. Something to listen to while you're awake at night in the scorching heat, thinking about... Blythe. Today, we have The Accident, Under the Deck, and Gregor Samsa. Now, as you probably know, The Wrong Station is made possible in part with the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you can listen to bonus episodes like this every month, as well as other goodies like hearing us talk in depth about some of your favorite episodes, or just hearing us talk in general about, you know, what we're reading, what we're listening to, watching. And even just for $1 a month, you can listen to The Wrong Station ad-free. But whether you can or not, or are interested or not, the best thing you can do to support the show is just to listen and share. So, however you enjoy The Wrong Station, thank you. And enjoy these. It's nice living on a quiet street. Not a lot of noise, yeah? No motorcycles ripping past at 4am. No crazies shouting at each other outside your window. Too quiet, though. Well, too quiet is... Too quiet, if you understand me. Lived in a quiet neighborhood once, for a couple months. Out in the East End. Beautiful gardens. People growing cosmos, dahlias... Etc. Part of the city where people aren't out walking their, uh, excuse me, shitty little dogs until about 10 a.m. Part of the city where everybody's back indoors with the blinds drawn about 9.45. Quiet. Ah, I remember the first night I was there. I woke up at around 4 a.m. because of the bird song. Birds, I ask you. My place before that, I was awake at that time every night because someone was puking in the shared entrance. Birds! But, like I said, too quiet. Well, <laughs> too quiet can be too, if you catch my drift. Quiet. I was only there about three or four months. Personal reasons. Won't get into it. <laughs> but only once in that four or five months was I ever awakened by something other than <laughs> those, those freaking birds. You know. It was a Tuesday night, or maybe a Thursday, one of those midweek numbers. You know the ones I'm talking about. And I'm sitting up right in my bed with the TV on, and I'm fast asleep until I hear this sound. This truck idling outside. Wakes me up. Almost makes me nostalgic, yeah? Same sound always used to wake me up at my old place. But here's the thing. This kind of neighborhood, it's not the kind where trucks idle in the early hours very often. So I get up, and I take a look, and outside there's this big old tow truck idling out there. I mean, jeez, it's a, it's a big sucker. Wish I could have drived it, you know? Big fan of trucks. Larger the better, you ask me. Anyway, it's idling out by the curb, and behind it, on its hook-pulley-towy thing, it's got this crunched-up vehicle. Big old SUV, just completely totaled. Looks like it got hit by a train or something. And behind the tow truck wheel, the driver's on his phone, frowning in the blue light. And I'm like, what's this? This guy? What's he doing? And he looks a little confused, too, like he doesn't get whatever his work scheduling app or, or whatever is telling him to do. But after a minute, he gives a little shrug, like, what's you gonna do? And then he lowers the total SUV so it 
crunches down beside the fire hydrant. He gets out, unhooks everything, climbs back into the tow truck, and I'm like, is he just going to leave that crashed SUV right there on the street? And then, yep, guy just drives off. Like, what? Like, poof, gone. Leaving this car accident right there outside my apartment. And I'm like, okay. I guess he just got another emergency call or something, and he'll be back after he deals with that. Tow truck company probably knows what it's doing. So, whatever. I go back to bed and try and fall asleep. Forty minutes later, I'm drowsing, and then... Chugga, 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 chugga. There's that sound again. Idling tow truck. So I get up and go take a look, because well, I want to see that bad boy in action. Trucks! Nothing like them. But when I stick my head around the curtains, there's the tow truck, and it's towing a second wrecked vehicle behind it. Right? And as I'm watching, the driver reverses toward the totaled SUV, beeping, and then... Crunch! Drops the second car right beside it. I'm like, sort of positioning it. As if to make it look like the two of them crashed together and stuff. And then after that, he gets out again and he unhooks the pulleys and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I gotta ask this guy what's going on before he disappears again. So just as he's about to climb into the driver's seat again, I stick my head out the window and I go, Psst! Hey, buddy! And he looks up at me all surprised and he's like, What? And I'm like, What's going on here, man? Like, what's the story? And he just looks up at me as sort of irritated, and he's like, It's fine, I got permission. And we're both whispering, you know, not trying to wake the neighbors. And he sounds defensive, so I'm like, Whoa, hey, I'm not complaining, I'm just curious. And he sort of frowns at me, and he's like, Do you even live here? Do you even, like, live in this neighborhood? And I'm like, Yeah, of course I live here. And he's like, Sir, is this your house? And I'm like, no, I just rent this apartment. And he looks a little relieved, and he's like, Okay, well, you, you don't have to worry about this. It'll be gone by morning, and I got permission. And, and I'm like, okay, am I, but am I, am I allowed to know what's going on? And he's just like, sorry, buddy. I'm just hired to do a job and not make trouble with the Residence Association. And he really put some stink on Residence Association. As if to say, i.e. ipso facto per se, not you. And I'm like... Okay, buddies, I'm not trying to make problems. And he's all like, well, well, you're, you're kind of dead. And he just gets back up into his truck and slams the door and drives off all pissed. Don't understand it. Why is he so mad? If they let me drive the truck, buddy, I'd never be mad a day in my life. <sighs> well, anyway. Now I got two wrecked cars lying on the street just totaled like they crashed into each other right outside my window. And I'm like, well... <sighs> Whatever, I guess. He said he had permission, so... May as well go back to bed. And then, bam! 20 minutes later, just as I'm falling back asleep, I hear it again. Chicka, 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 chicka. An engine idling on a big old truck. So naturally, I think to myself, Great, buddy's back to pick up the cars. But no. When I peek back out the window, it's this big-ass black SUV with an Uber light in the window. And two guys out front of it just drinking Timmy's and chatting quietly while they look at their phones. And I'm like, uh, okay. Are these guys with, like, the tow truck company or something? And just then, another Uber shows up and this young lady comes out. And she looks like she might be from business or something. Her car leaves. 
She shakes the two dudes' hands, and then they chat for a bit, like, clearly just small talk about the weather and stuff, which you can tell from the body language. Anyway, after a minute or so, the girl checks her phone and gives a sort of, uh, well, guess we should get on with it kind of gesture. The two dudes sort of nod, and one of them does something I am not expecting, which is to lie down face up on the pavement like he's making a snow angel. The second guy gives the girl a sort of, would you like to do the honors kind of gesture, and when she shakes her head, he shrugs and walks back around to the trunk of the SUV. A moment later, he comes back holding something heavy, and I'm like, what is that, a, a briefcase? And then I'm like, well, wait, that's freaking random. It's, it's a kettlebell. These guys going to, like, work out or something? And then I'm like, I guess so, because the second dude raises it over his head. And then I'm like, holy shit. Because a second after that, he throws it right down into the first guy's chest. Thud. I could hear it right through the closed window, which was, like, double glazed and shit. Holy fuck. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Like, uh, what? Anyway, the guy on the pavement is just lying there, spasming. And the business girl is drinking her Timmy's like it's just another day at the office. And the second guy picks up the kettlebell again and drops it back down in the first guy's face. Splat! I heard that one, too. Yuck. It was like... It's like mega nasty, dude. But at least he stopped twitching at that point. And I'm like... Okay, at this point I think I'm just dreaming or something. Like, part of me thinks, jeez, call an ambulance. But then part of me thinks, like, wait, what if these guys have permission to do this and I just, I just look like an idiot? And then part of me is just watching, like, frozen. And while I'm just looking, the guy and the girl drag the body of the first guy into the seat of the totaled SUV and put his hands on the steering wheel. But, okay, now here's where things get, like, Super weird. Because after that, the girl walks over to the kettlebell and picks it up. She's pretty small, but I, I guess she must go to the gym or something because she manages to hold on to it as she starts to spin around in circles. You know, like a, like a kid spins a bucket of water so they can turn the bucket upside down without spilling any. Things like that. From, like, the centripetal force and stuff. She was just spinning around in a circle and I could hear the sound of her flats clapping against the pavement of the window, and, and just then the next thing I know, boom! She lets go of the bell with one hand, and the momentum is spun it all the way around her body, and she's, like, still holding onto it with one hand, so, like, all the bones in her arm must have been broken by now, because she also just looks like she's got, like, a, like a gumby arm, and the kettlebell has hit her smack, smack in the chest. Like, into the chest! Like, her shape changed! from this dude. Like, like afterward, her, her torso? It was not the same. At all. Well, okay, here's the wild part. Afterwards, she just very calmly puts down the kettlebell. Second dude steps forward to help her, but she just, like, brushes him off, like, no, I got this. And then, on her own, she sort of staggers over to the second car and crawls in through the broken window like, a, like an injured cat. It's tinted glass, but since the windows are all cracked and broken, I can see that she sort of shimmies into the driver's seat and puts her hands on the wheel and then goes still. It's all quiet for a moment. Second guy has already put away the kettlebell and now he's just standing around making a call. 
And that's when I notice. I'm not the only one watching. Looking around, up and down the street, I can see all kinds of my neighbors standing in their windows, just quietly watching, the light from the street lights reflecting off their eyes. The old lady across the street notices me, looking, and gives me this little wave. Then, one by one, the blinds close, and they all withdraw inside. I mean, God, I should have called somebody, but my hands were shaking too much to even unlock my phone. By the time I'm able to enter the code, there's already blue and red lights flashing outside, and a cop talking quietly with the second guy, both of them shaking their heads as if to say, What a tragedy. <laughs> well, next morning, I run into that old lady, my neighbor, looking down at a little spot of blood on the pavement. I ask her, What happened? And she just gives this sigh and that same slow, sad shake of her head. Terrible accident last night, she says. I think some people had to go to the hospital. That's a shame, I said. Oh, still, accidents happen. True, true. Did you hear anything? She says. Nah, I tell her. I slept right through it. Now, I'm not saying that I know everything there is to maintaining a house and property. Not nearly everything. But, I do know a good fair bit. My father was a subcontractor, you see. He did framing. And in his work, through osmosis, he himself learned a lot over the years. Again, not everything. He's not much of an electrician, and his knowledge of plumbing is definitely spotty. But he knows a fair good bit. And what he does know, he passed on to me. So, earlier this month, when I saw my next-door neighbor was setting down wood for a backyard deck, I thought I'd offer a bit of friendly advice. You see, when you're building a deck, there are a few rules. Well, not rules per se. Things that I would say are advised. And one of those things is not to put wood directly on top of dirt. Best practice is to leave a gap, say, at least one foot, maybe a bit more, between the wood and the ground. Or, if you want to stay low, to lay down some concrete for a foundation and put the wood down over that. Now, why is that? The answer is simple. Vermin. When you build a deck, you don't want vermin tunneling under there. You either need to leave that gap so predators have easy access to the area underneath, or lay down concrete so they just can't dig into there at all. By simply placing wood over dirt, you've created an ideal habitat for pests, a safe place that they can burrow into and make a nest. So, I give my neighbor this little speech, seeing that he's about to do just that, put down planks right over the dirt, and Mr. Johnny Know-It-All there, he just scoffs and gives me a little point of the chin. He gives an arrogant little thanks. This guy, you know, between you and me, he's a little bit of a toolbox. Doesn't mean I think he deserves what happened to him, though. Uh... Oh, right. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Forget I said that, and we'll get there in a bit. Anyway. Jump cut to two weeks after he finishes putting down that deck, and guess what? 
We've got rats in the backyard. The whole neighborhood, I mean. Doesn't matter who I talk to, Jane on one end of the block or Jeff on the other, they're seeing rats too. And you know, it's the city. You're gonna see a rat now and then. But when it's been a while, everyone doing their part, storing garbage properly, not leaving cozy looking piles of leaves lying around, it's disappointing to see that work go down the drain. One morning soon after, I'm out on the back patio having the uh, morning coffee, and I see that the neighbor's doing the same. I uh, take a big sip, and not looking in his direction, I just kind of muse out loud. Awful lot of rats in the laneway lately. That gets his attention. He looks at me and says, What's that supposed to mean? I see his eyes are a little more red than usual. Like, maybe he hasn't been sleeping so well. Doesn't mean anything. Just saying there's rats, wondering if maybe you've seen them too. Yeah, I've seen them, he says. Nothing the dog can't take care of. I didn't mention before, this fella has a big dog. Howard. Not sure what he is. Rescue, you know? Mean thing. Probably abused in the past. Kind of dog that needed someone with the right temperament to adopt him. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Howard's gonna be much use there. See, I'd already seen that dog pawing at this one particular spot on the deck. Every time he was out there, he snarled at it and tried to claw his way in. Dog knew exactly where these rats were. But there was no way in hell he'd be able to get at him. Well, Mr. Neighbor knows this, and he knows that I know. So he just gives me a little pissed-off smile and keeps sipping his coffee. Now oh, these rats. They were just a menace. You know, getting into garbage bins, ruining people's gardens. They even got in my tool shed and shit all over the place. What a nightmare. So the next morning, I decide to be more forward. I suggest to the guy that maybe it was time to rip up those planks and take care of the problem. He didn't like that. I don't remember asking your advice, worry about your side of the fence, and all that. I don't know what was going on in his private life, but he was clearly under a lot of stress. And that night, I kinda find out why. It's about 3 a.m., and I hear this knock, knock, knock coming from the back. Not too loud, but we've got the master bedroom on that side of the house, so it's enough to wake me up. I look out the window, scan around, and I see my neighbor in his backyard on his hands and knees. He's at that spot, the one where we all know the rats are, and he's knocking on the deck, and you just hear that distinct of a wooden plank with an empty space behind it. Then, he crawls a couple feet closer to his house, knocks again, and it's hollow. He draws a whole trail all the way to the foot of the house. I just think, this poor guy's got rats inside. It's not good. It's not good, you know. Next morning. It's me and him again. 
out in the back having the old kafetch. And now I don't even want to mention it. Rats in the house, that'll throw anyone for a loop. Even when you do bring it on to yourself. Well, as we're standing there, Bill has stepped out to have his morning coffee in the back. Bill is my buddy who lives on the other side of my neighbor. Now, I've already told Bill about what I saw early that morning, and I told him it'd be courteous not to mention it. But Bill doesn't always have, um, social grace. You fellas talking about the rats? He asks. You really shouldn't have put that deck down without a foundation. People told you that. Whew. Buddy sees me crack a smile. I can't help it, you know. And I think that seals it. He puts down his mug and gives a deep exhale. The kind that comes out your nose when you're trying to push down your emotions. Then he just stands there for long three seconds. Until, uh, yeah, <sighs> he finally says, and he tromps back into his house. Bill throws his eyebrows up. Oh, what did I do? What did I say? I tell him he probably shouldn't have said anything, and we go on having our coffees and talking about last night's game. About five minutes pass, and all of a sudden... Neighbor kicks his back door open and steps out onto the deck with, of all things, a chainsaw. Whoa, hey, what you planning there? Says Bill. Gonna get rid of some rats, Bill, not that it's your business. By this point, he's standing over the spot where we all know those rats are holed up. And he starts tugging on the ripcord with a real, um, I guess you'd call it a frenzy. Don't know if I'd advise what you're about to do, neighbor, I told him, and he just tells me to fuck off. That's not very neighborly, says Bill. And by this point, a few more people have come out of their houses to see what the commotion is. Howard is outside with him, too, snarling and scratching at the same spot. The neighbor's kicking him away, telling him to get back. And then, finally, when the dog is clear and the chainsaw is roaring... He plunges that thing right into the deck. Sawdust starts flying, and there's that sound of sawtooth going through wood, which has a kind of music to it. But after a moment of that, you get the puttering screech of metal cutting through packed earth, and sawdust makes way for flying soil and small stone particulate. He's trying to dig right into the nest. Jesus, cries Bill, taking a small piece of gravel to the forehead. I call out, suggesting to Buddy that he stop. But at this point, I don't think he can even hear me. He's dead set on whatever he's doing, and nobody can stop him. I think we all see the look on his face as the first indication that he's gotten through the dirt. That sort of surprised, jolted expression anyone gets when they're cutting through one thing, and then hit another. And then... One second later, we see the blood. It starts spraying. Well, more like erupting out of that hole he's dug. Gushing out in a jet stream, just slamming into this guy's face and chest. And he 
shrieks and drops the chainsaw and starts flailing around trying to get the blood out of his eyes. And as he does, something drags itself out of that hole. A big, ugly rat. This big rat with an even bigger belly. Huge, swollen up like a, like a big gray water balloon and dragging behind it as it came out of the hole. And this huge paunch has a horrible gash right in its center where Buddy must have thrust that chainsaw into it. So he's screaming. The rat is screaming. And the gash in its ripped up belly is somehow spreading even wider until... Until it gives way and bursts wide open. All at once, my neighbor gets covered in even more gore. And at the exact same time, I want to say three dozen... Four dozen rats come pouring out of this blown open cavity. And they start running around blindly, biting and clawing at him, swarming him for no other reason than that he's standing right there and covered in hot blood. And at this point, the chainsaw has snaked along the deck and hit the body of this... this, uh... this broodmother, sending even more blood flying. And Howard is gun ballistic trying to get these rats, and in his over-enthusiasm has his owner by the throat. It's, uh... It's a real mess. So yeah, that was yesterday. Not how you expect to start a week, huh? <laughs> uh, and I don't mean to be callous, but it all could have been avoided, you know? I guess the moral is, don't put a wood deck directly onto dirt. <laughs> no, no. I guess, uh, hmm. I guess the moral is, free advice is always worth listening to. Yeah. That's not bad. As Gregor Samsa woke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a gigantic insect. This was unexpected, but as a youngish man living in the 21st century, Gregor Samsa's life had already been filled with a critical mass of weird bullshit. Kanye West, the rise of incest porn, 9-11. Add to the pile, I guess, thought Gregor before rolling over. It's not like he was going anywhere. Going places costs money. Besides, Gregor's little brother was coming by later to drop off his Blu-ray player, and Gregor wasn't sure if he would have to clean it. Everything Gregor lent his little brother got dirty. Until then, sleep seemed like the best option. Before he fell back asleep, Gregor spent 20 minutes opening his phone's lock screen with his claws in order to check if his girlfriend had texted him. She had not. Gregor Samso woke a few minutes later from uneasy dreams. And different ones, though. You know the kind you get when you eat something slightly too spicy while watching something slightly too scary? That kind. Anyway, Gregor awoke from those dreams, transformed in his bed into a tiny whale. 
Huh, thought Whale Gregor as he struggled to get out from beneath the covers. So I guess the first one wasn't... a fluke. He then chuckled whalishly at his own joke and vowed to write it down once he had hands, before realizing that nobody would ever have the necessary context to find it funny. This realization was too tragic for Gregor to bear, so he flopped his way up to the top of his pillow and fell into a fitful sleep. Gregor Sampso woke from sad dreams and found that he'd been transformed in his bed into one of those spiky lizards that can shoot blood from its eyes. Uh, unfortunately, Gregor wasn't able to have much fun with his lizard body because Gregor kept his apartment at low temperature as a cost-saving measure ever since he lost his job. Lizard Gregor felt the cool air on his scaly skin and immediately became groggy. Soon, it entered into a state of pseudo-hibernation. Minutes later, Gregor Sampso awoke from horny dreams and found himself transformed in his bed into a bodacious babe. Still a bug, though, just an absolute hubba-hubba perfect 10 out of 10 bug, like call 911, because when she's this much of a smoke show, she's gotta be fire. Shiny kite and perfect hump on that scutum. Don't even get me started on the thorax. Oh, baby. Unfortunately, Gregor wasn't aware of insect beauty standards, so he had no idea how fucking sexy he was. It was like one of those pop songs. You know the ones. <sighs> ah, anyway, it was awful. And another 20 minutes later of clawing at his phone told him that his girlfriend still hadn't texted. Gregor Samsa went back to bed, praying that whatever was happening to him would end before his little brother arrived, or that he would at least be a creature with enough manual dexterity to manipulate a Blu-ray remote. Gregor Samso woke from a set of patriotic dreams to find himself transformed into the rear bumper of a Ford F-150. And, as Gregor Samso felt his firm, chrome skin resting upon a bedrock of good old USA steel, he finally understood what American engineering was all about. He finally felt safe, as safe as the five-star safety rating that he now had. They weren't just words anymore. Now he finally knew, in his heart, what it meant to be built for tough. And, listener, if you've never seen a rear bumper cry, well, <laughs> now you have. After weeping himself to sleep, Gregor Samsa awoke from another set of weird dreams and found himself transformed into a pair of dope sunglasses. The kind of sunglasses Gregor would never wear himself out of fear and shame, even though they would have suited his face just fine. This also happened to be when his little brother finally dropped by to return Gregor's Blu-ray player. When he entered Gregor's room, he only saw the Gregor sunglasses, which saw him right back but were unable to say hello or to ask why his Blu-ray player was covered in some sort of slick fluid. Despite decades of Gregor telling his brother to stop stealing his stuff, Gregor's brother could not resist the siren's song of those sunglasses, and after checking to make sure Gregor wasn't home, <laughs> but he was, he snatched them off the bed and hooked the frames over his shirt collar. Gregor could smell the cologne his brother had spritzed around his neck, could feel the light mist of sweat that clung to his brother's chest hair. It was too intimate. It made him feel like a creep. Gregor's little brother checked his watch and bolted out the door, 
Sunglasses Gregor wondered what he could possibly be late for. Gregor's brother had always had very few prospects and was often the subject of Gregor's jokes. Gregor's brother was rube, punk, a shitheel. Everyone knew that. Twenty minutes later, Gregor's brother pulled up in front of a building very familiar to Gregor. Gregor fought back a wave of nausea as his brother's confident gait swung him side to side like a ship on a rocky sea. Up the steps went Gregor and his brother, up to a floor that was very familiar to Gregor, up to a door that was very familiar to Gregor. No, it couldn't be. Gregor's little brother's knock was answered immediately by Cynthia, Gregor's girlfriend. She had never greeted Gregor with such speed, or with such a luminous smile, or in such revealing gown. Without a word, she pulled Gregor's brother and the Gregor sunglasses into the room before uncinching her robe and letting it drop to the floor. She was wearing nothing underneath. Gregor, trapped in his sunglasses cage, could do nothing but stare at her form as his tinted body filled with rage, sadness, and overwhelming desire. Gregor's brother began to undress as well, placing his shirt and sunglasses on the kitchen island, giving Gregor momentary relief by facing him away from the happy couple. Gregor's brother, now fully nude, stepped forward to take Cynthia in his arms. But Cynthia stopped him. She grabbed the sunglasses from the kitchen island, dangling them between her lithe fingers as she walked over to Gregor's brother. She placed the Gregor sunglasses on his brother's face. These stay on, she purred. She led the two of them to the bedroom. We're going to look away from this now, but suffice to say, these two really go to town on each other, and Gregor had no choice but to watch. I mean, this was like watching two acrobats who were also contortionists, who were also approved lifeguards. I say lifeguards because there was a kiddie pool involved. This was like watching sex from the year 3000, when being double-jointed becomes mandatory. Also, it explained how the Blu-ray player became covered in that slick fluid. <sighs> to be honest, if Gregor hadn't been so devastated, he really could have learned something watching these two discover new sexual frontiers, like a, like a, like a, like a hornier Lewis and Clark. Instead, all Gregor was able to do was, well, be sunglasses on his brother's face. However, when the brain is confronted with something so horrible, so devastating, it can sometimes enter a comatose-like state. Much like sleep. So much like sleep, in fact, that Gregor Samsa found himself dreaming. And when he awoke from his troubled dreams, he was a giant beetle again. Understandably, both Gregor's girlfriend and his brother screamed when the sunglasses morphed into a 60-pound slavering roach in a matter of milliseconds. Gregor would have screamed too, but said he could only make a horrible clicking sound with his mandibles, kind of like a... Like someone just emptying a bag of dice down a stairwell. Gregor's brother and his girlfriend punched and kicked Roach Gregor, driving him towards the window they'd opened earlier to let out the, the sex smell. Roach Gregor fought valiantly, but they overpowered him and threw his roachly form through the frame. Gregor plummeted towards the concrete, certain that this was the end, and not being too sad about it either. But then... Wings 
Gregor's bug instincts unfurled his huge, membranous wings, which began beating with the speed and ferocity of, well, much smaller wings. Soon, Gregor's ascent had stopped completely, and he began to fly. It was glorious. Gregor had never felt anything like this before. Not knowing what else to do, he decided to fly home. For the first time, he embraced his insectile gifts and found that they weren't half bad. But the flight was exhausting, and when he arrived, despite his warranted fear of sleep, he was unable to stop himself from falling into bed. He was instantly unconscious. The next morning, Gregor Samsa awoke from regular dreams and found himself transformed in his bed into Gregor Samsa. It had been so long since he'd been in his own body that he didn't recognize it. He was certain it was someone else's body. It was kind of like when you host a party, but nobody shows up, so you have to eat the entire eight-foot party sub by yourself, and you get so full you can't even remember what it feels like to be hungry anymore. Gregor wasn't falling for this shit. No. He was certain this wasn't his body, or if it was, there must be something desperately wrong with it. He just didn't know what it was yet, and damned if he was going to wait around to find out. He fluffed his pillow and fell back asleep.